Hey, let's talk about Irish holidays. We all know that October 31st is All Hallows' Eve, when the streets are overrun with little goblins asking for treats, or else they will trick your whole house, and their moms might complain that you didn't give their kids candy. Halloween's origins are Celtic, going back to the ancient holiday of Samhain. Not Samhain, as some American pop culture shows might lead you to believe. Gaelic is difficult for most Americans to wrap their head around, but there we are. November 1st was Samhain proper, marking the first day of the dead part of the year, when the land was unusable for farming and covered in frost and snow, with the sun hidden from the world and darkness covering the land. The night before that was called Samhain Night, when the fair folk were said to leave the other world, Tirnanog, to wander the land of the living, playing cruel, potentially dangerous tricks on the living unless they were paid with treats, which varied by fairy spirit. As Christianity took over, Samhain night persisted, with the Catholic days of All Hallows, All Souls, and All Saints Day replacing the full three-day festival of Samhain. Today, it is still called Samhain in Gaelic regions, and it remains one of the most important holy days to modern New Age and Neo-Pagan groups of a Britano-Celtic persuasion. Other Celtic regions like Wales and Cornwall have their own holidays about the same topic at the same time, showing that death and transition are an important consideration at the end of October in all parts of the Celtic world. Samhain night is also when my daughter will be born, so I'm excited about that. There will be more about Samhain in this episode, so let's get to it. Previously, on Godacy. The end of the year has come. Samhain, when the veil between life and death is lifted, is merely a week away. As this approaches, Lou has left the tragic death among his people to meet with the old god of war, Net, and his wife, one of the three faces of the Morrigan. He must convince them to join the Tawatha de Danan in the war against the Fomorians, or all will be lost. Welcome to Godacy, Episode 22, The Price of Portents. Lou was cold, colder than he had been since his return to Ireland from Tirnanog. The crashing of the waves seemed more distant this far from the edge of the stone island, but either way it was raining or misting from the sea and Lou was drenched. The cave of Net was hardly a livable space, a raised elevation of metamorphic rock that shielded him from the northern winds and blocked pools from forming in it. In essence, the one benefit of it was that it was dry and for that reason it was livable. Shivering, the old man handed him a fur covering from a box in the back of the cave. We cannot abide a fire. We rely on driftwood here, and tinder is sparse. It is not hospitable, but it is necessary. Lou did not answer, instead looking back outside. He had seen the storehouse on their way to the cave, mistaking it for Net's home, and was surprised when he was led here. Context clues told him this was where Net lived in spite of the storehouse. From beneath his cloak, Net seemed to notice this, and laughed his gnarly, gravelly laugh. You thought we were going there? No, son of Kian. Though that is where the women you seek are. Lou turned back to Net. Women? You have come for Nemain and Bav, have you not? Lou wasn't sure if he had heard him right or correctly. I do not know their names, their individual names, but I have come for them and... For you both. You've come to convince me to join in your final war. I know you are not the first. It was certainly to the point. Made sense for a god of war. You were at a disadvantage, I think. The Dagda told you to do this, did he not? What did he tell you about me? 
What do any of them tell you about me? They say that you are the father of the Nemedians, the children of Nemed, and that you are the only survivor of those people to stay on the island after the great flood the Fomorians summoned to destroy their powerful foes. That you are married to one of the faces of the Morrigan, that you are no friend of the Fomorians. Ned gave another small laugh, pulling his hood back. White hair clung to his head unevenly, a ghastly pale face covered in scars. His smile was jagged, teeth like crags of the very island he lived upon, and his cheeks were gaunt, deathly so. One of his eyes was paler than the other, not blind, but damaged. No, Lou. That is a different god. Let me teach you about names. I am Net, known in many places. My wife is Nemain, one of the many faces of the mighty Morrigan, a goddess among your people. Here, Bav, her elder sister, stays with her, giving portents of fate to the wind. Nemed, founder of the Nemedian line. I knew him, yes. He died long ago, and I am what is left of him. You do not lose all of your children and survive that. Lou did not understand. But your children went to Alba, founded tribes there among the Britons. Yes, and the name Net is known as a distant god there, and in Gaul, too. But let me ask you this. If you killed Nuwada, the Dacta, Angus, Bridget, and the Morrigan, and all of your leaders in battle, are you still the Tuatha Dé Danann? So it was with the Nemedians. My name lives with them. They invoke my power. They are my descendants, but they are Nemedians no longer. I am alone. I am the last. So, now I am Net. I have no people. I am apart. The waves filled the silence between them. Lou looked back to the storehouse, not thinking of Nemain or Bav, whoever it was in there, but to something else. There was something in there he did not understand. Something familiar, yet something elusive, older. You are hungry. He was. He did not acknowledge the question. Net did not wait for an answer. Snapping his fingers, a fire formed from the embers below, and Net reached behind him, grabbing a fish from a wicker basket and a charred stick. Putting the fish on it, he placed it on the spit above the fire pit and let it sit there. It took only a moment, amplified by magic, and then Net handed the fish to Lou. The salmon was bland, flavorless without spice or sauce, but it was to be expected. Net lived on the edge of the world. Why bring civilization with him? Thank you, Net. Feeding me was thoughtful, and I haven't had anything today. You seem stressed, Lou, like you did not even mean to come here. What troubles the Tuathi did on beyond the Fomorians? My grandfather slew his son, Mick, because Mick thought of an improvement to their magic well, which was meant to preserve lives and prevent death in the coming battle. The Inset slew him and then mistreated my Aunt Aramid, sending all the herbs of the world away from her. Out of spite. He's jealous and we will suffer for his lack of humility. I had to get away, or else there would be another needless death among our people. Net laughed, shaking his head. The Fomorians, the Fearbolg, and the now the Tuatha Dé Danann. Whoever comes after you, I see it. You will fight and fight among yourselves, staining red this green island. It will be the undoing of us all. What was the undoing of your people, Net? Of the Nemedians? Net did not respond right away his smile fading. We were united against our foes. I, Nemed, was a strong leader. 
There is more to the story, Lu, son of Kian. Your father knew the truth in the Dagda. I think no other beyond the Morrigan knows the truth of the Fomorian's origins. Shall I tell you, son of Danu? Shall I tell you the truth of Frez and Balor? Lu froze, and the silence was answer enough. Nat smiled and began. Long before Nemet existed, Net walked the land. I came from Hallstatt, traveled northward until I came to Alba, and went among the people of the islands. I taught them to make their fishing vessels into vessels of war, and soon many children were born among them, some looking as you and I. Some looked as monsters, giants with many arms and legs, crawling, flying, swimming, more animal than human. Those born of Net were humanoid, and among them, Dot was one of the mightiest chiefs. I saw among them a corruption, a weakness of their moral code, and I regretted teaching them the ways of war. The Fomorians came south and discovered Era, ruled by Partholon, the second generation of invaders, to Ireland. Soon they were reduced to a single man, but the Fomorians were driven back, monsters of the sea and pirates that they were. I saw a better way, a fertile land that could be used to create peaceful, powerful kingdoms. My children elsewhere, in Albion, in Gaul, in Iberia, near Laten, and Hallstatt, I brought them together through a confederation of wanderers and became Nemid. I led my children to Ireland, and there we settled, but not peacefully. The way of the war god is to fight. And we saw the Fomorians trying to corrupt the land from the sea. The Fomorians knew who I was. They recognized Black Net's spear in their gullet, and rumor passed among them. They gathered their chiefs, dot among them, and came for my throat too. Many of my sons and daughters died. They took me prisoner, claiming to have killed me. But my son Fergus rose up and overthrew the bonds of slavery that the Fomorians placed upon the children of Nemed. With the blood of the Fomorian King Conan on his hands, Fergus faced down Mork, his lieutenant. Mork fled, but before he did, he summoned to him a great wave, a flood. The second flood that drowned all but a single ship of thirty survivors who fled to Albion and beyond. With Conan's death, I was freed and fled to a now emptied island. I saw the desolation and knew that it was my fault, whether it was Net or Nemid. In fear I fled, and soon the Fearball came. They sought my help. I would not give it, though I gave them wisdom. I saw in them some wisdom, more than my children had had. But I saw the same darkness I see in the Fomorians. Monstrous infighting. Death is their currency, child of Danu. The Fomorians came and fought with the Firbolg, and it was in the depths of this war that a third faction emerged, landing first here on my island. That is how I met your Dagda and Morrigan. They sought my help in taking the island, theirs by right, for Danu was the mother of Eru, the first of the sovereign queens of the island. I saw their wisdom and gave them my own. But I saw much of the same infighting as the Fearbolg, less due to the wisdom of the Dagda and Nuada. But I saw something more. The price of portents upon the Morrigan. Three women as one, giving prophecy to the world.
Have you seen it yet, Lou? How many threes are there among your people, among all the inhabitants of Ireland? The first generation was marked by three sovereign queens with three husband kings. Your father was in a set of triplets. The Morrigan is in a set of three. You yourself, born of triplets, the sons of Turi and the sons of Yakid. There are many threes, Lou. You will see a third set of triplets before your time on this island is over, I think. These are powerful groups, each of them. That is why you are so powerful individually. You have the power of three brothers in a single form, for you alone survived a trial of your infancy. The Morrigan had no such wisdom, for she was not born here. Bav, the eldest. Nemain, the middle. Maka, the youngest. In their combined form, they are Anand. And all of these are the Morrigan. Anand is their composite, having the power of all three, and all of them are powerful sorcerers, oracles, wise women, strategists, warriors, and queens. You have heard it said that giving prophecy comes at a price. You have paid that price of portent, but what does she pay? What does the Morrigan pay? I shall teach you, Lou. In the blood of her own people, she will be the last of you. When all of the Tuatha Dé Danann are destroyed and driven from this island, she will survive until the world is ready to crack. She is the Phantom Queen. Everything is dead to her, for she will outlive it all. Not even death is a force before her, though she is master of it. And how did she learn of this? With the blood of her own child. The Dagda and the Morrigan came to me then, seeking my wisdom for a problem. You see, I am a god not just of battle, but of passion. For passion wins battles, woos beautiful youths to your bed, creates lasting art and beauty in our world. It was passion that brought them to me, for their son Ed, heir to the Dagda, had been killed. Who killed him? Does it matter? Who would you like to tell me it was? Jealous and Set, Fiery Bridget, Bright Nuada, a political drama or family squabble, it could be any. What mattered was that he was dead, and they sought my help. It was not Anon that came, but the three, Bav, Maka, and Nemain. Weeping and mashing their teeth, they came to bury their son on an island of pure stone. My first act was, with the Dagd as my helper, to use my storehouse of plenty which provides food, any tool, to bury, aid. I built a cairn around him and put him in the back of the storehouse. It was for that reason that Bav and Nemain stay here, and Maka and the Dagda left with my blessings. When the three-in-one Anand goes forth as the full force of the Morrigan, she does so as a flock of ravens. The Raven Queen is a mighty thing to see in her true form, is she not? But she has not forgotten what she has lost. Whatever the reason, she knows she has more to lose. Everything she does, she does, knowing that she will lose it in the end. That is her curse, Lou. And so I act as her support, as does the Dagda. It takes two men to support a woman that powerful. But remember what I told you of young Net, the wandering god of war, his passion among the Fomorians, his son Dot. Dot sired his own sons, who sired their own children. 
among Dot's grandsires was one unlike any other. A giant with one terrible eye. You know of whom I speak. Your grandfather, Lou, is my great-grandson, as the Dagda is your great-grandfather. Few are the Fomorians who do not have my blood, Lou, and think further. Balor is your grandfather and my great-grandson. That makes you of my blood. And the Dagda? Did you know that the Dagda was also of my blood? My nephew, as it were. You are very much my sire, boy. But so is Balor. Why should I choose one or the other? Why should I assist you? My blood will kill my blood. Fomorians will kill Fomorians, and Tuathididanan will kill Tuathididanan. And you plan on dragging the Fearbolg into this too? Nat shook his head. I am the god of war, but this is too much. Will the suffering ever end? Lou was shocked. How can you say that? Of course it will. Do you not see? Whether you are Net or Nemid, the problem is clear. Partholon, Nemedian, Fearbolg, Tuathidae. All have faced the Fomorians. All have tried to stave off their conquests and ruination of the island. Do you leave a blemish in your field for fear of destroying a leaf, when that single blemish will destroy your entire crop? If not for ourselves, but for the island, that future generations can inhabit it, should we not destroy the blight of the Fomorians? Net was quiet after that. He had spoken so much, said so much, that Lou hurt from the realizations. That he was a descendant to Net, that Balor and the Dagda were both related to Net. Perhaps that was the answer. The blood of Net was what made them so warlike, doomed them the way it did. How long the two women had been standing there, Lou could not know. Outside of the storehouse, the two women stared at him. Bav was old, incredibly old, as old as she had been in Lou's nightmares with skin that clung to her, not unlike the calyx own. She dressed in black, with a necklace of raven skulls, and a cloak of feathers that shone green and blue with the fresh oil in the mist and winds. Her hair was curled by the waves, pushed back by the wind and flowing behind her, blonde and dyed deeper blonde by the sun that so rarely peaked here. Beside her was the woman Lou had seen with Net at the Cayley that night her hair dark and her dress looser. She had marks on her head, a sign of age and labor, but she was beautiful, desirable, and terrifying to him all at once. Bav smiled. Nemain looked stern, discerning. Above them, two ravens circled, with a third coming in off the western winds. Lou sensed Maka coming and feared the worst. Before she could arrive, a swirling mass of ravens rose up from Bav and Nemain, and the flock headed outward, moving towards the ravens from the west. They joined as one flock of crows and flew back to Ireland, for Samhain was coming, and they must prepare for the coming of the Dagda. The ritual is a physical one, you understand. I do not imagine he told you. The Dagda is a fertility god. That is why he went instead of Nuada. The Dacta is virile enough to survive the ritual, but it will cost him. Cost him permanently, as it always does. Her curse runs deep, but it must run. She will take from him what she desires, what they both desire in truth. What is born of their union will be truth, and whatever that spawns, you will know it soon. But know this, Lou. She is with you. 
that is what that meant. The Morrigan will stand with you at the final battle. Lou was glad to hear that. It was harder for him to speak to the Morrigan, her intensity not lost on him. That did not answer his final question. And you? Nett laughed, standing and walking away towards the storehouse. You will find out on the day of the battle. I shall reveal one last thing to you. The place of the final battle against King Indek and the Fomorians will be in the west. The Dagda will know more, know where, when the ritual is done. Stay safe on this Samhain. I fear the fair folk are no longer your friend. Ned entered the storehouse and shut the door behind him. Taking up his own spear, Lou stretched his legs and took the steps home. But he did not say where? Merely the west? Nawada sat upon his throne, Bridget beside him. The dinner fire burned, and the hall, while not packed, was full. Gavita and Medir sat behind Lou, listening intently, and Medir's troops were close at hand, fresh from the battle. Sring, too, leader of the remainder of the Fearbulg, was present as well, his own troops there. Lou had not spoken to him, but soon would. He said the Dagda would know. He sent me away, for Samhain was coming. Bridget sighed, shaking her head. The needless vagaries of a being like Net will drive me to madness. But it makes sense, King Nawada. The West is where we landed. The West is where we will make our stand, once again as we did once against the Fearbulg. You know this too, don't you, Sring? Sring had aged fairly well. From the champion of the Fearbulg to the leader in Taltu's absence, his blonde hair had turned to a dark straw color, his mustache hanging from his chin, and his stubble on his jaw meticulously kept that way. His nose was long, his blue eyes sparkling, and he was dirty, his skin red-brown as much from exposure to the sun as the fight they had just come from. He was muscular, as muscular as he had ever been, and his sword lacked a sheath, a thing of bronze that had a curved blade meant for chopping. It is fitting that this battle will take place in Conic. Our survival and yours depends upon it. He looked to Lu, offering him a smile. Almost an apology, Lu felt, for failing to protect him against the sons of Yakid. Lu did not blame him. Sring was mighty, but never was he cruel. Like Taltu, he was a credit to his people rather than a detriment, as Yakid had been. Our survival does depend on it, but if we can know in advance, we can plan for it, Nawada said, resting his head on his silver hand. He sighed, looking to Lu. We have kept you from the battlefield for too long, I fear. In the days leading up to Samhain, we will remain indoors. Samhain is a fearful thing, and we shall not risk the loss of a single life to the Shi. After Samhain, in the dead of the year, you may fight. Medir! He called to Medir, who was half eating a leg of chicken. Is Lou ready? Medir continued eating, and nodded. You are certain? Bridget answered for him. We all saw him in the fight against Brez. Had he a weapon, Brez would be dead. Nawada nodded. Then he shall go to war. Prepare your lessons for the youth one last time, Lou, then prepare for battle. Lou smiled and ate his own leg of chicken. The only task that remained for him was to wait. Anticipation rose in him, replacing fear and uncertainty.
Godacy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Aker, who is looking forward to sound as much as I am. Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons tunes can be found at scottbuckley.com.au. Additional sounds by Tim Kahn. Want to support the show? Check us out on Patreon for early access episodes, behind-the-scenes shenanigans, and, of course, previews into the next season. Or you can check us out on social media, where we take part in Mythology Monday, release fun tidbits now and again, and are just generally fun and sociable. Drop a line. I'll respond. If given a treat, if not provided one, tricks are in store. Gotta see updates every Monday. See you next week.